Daniel chapter 1, a very familiar passage. We're going to read the first eight verses, and then we're going to look at some other passages in the book of Daniel as well. But anyway, Daniel 1, verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, on Jerusalem, besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. The king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the, his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children of whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. King appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, upon, to whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name to Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart, he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So we're going to be looking at Daniel in uh, enduring in difficult times. And I need to turn my mic on. Right. Daniel enduring in difficult times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your word and the record that it gives us of those that have gone before us, which are given for our example and for our admonition, upon whom the end of the world has come. In other words, we live in this time, and this gives us insight into how we ought to conduct ourselves and please you, uh, even in these difficult days. And I pray that you help us to, to glean some truths that would encourage us and challenge us to be faithful in the face of adversity. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, this is a very familiar passage, at least verse 8. Probably young people have probably heard Daniel 1.8 as often as anything in the Bible. But I want you to consider a few things. This was, Daniel was taken, I believe, in the first captivity. There were actually three captivities um, of J- Judah uh, that where they went to Babylon. The first time they took, the, as you can see, um, uh, they took, of course, Jehoiakim, and and, uh, and 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 they took the cream of the crop, you might say. If you, if you look at this in verse 4, uh, verse 3, uh, the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel of the king's seed and of the princes. So it's very possible that Daniel was even in the kingly line of Judah, um, and the others, but this, these were children to whom was no blemish. They were well favored, uh, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science. Uh, so these were the well-educated people. Um, you know, if you're going to take over a country, the first thing you do is you, you take care of the educated. They're the ones that are going to cause you problems because they know what to do. They're, they're wise people. You know, when communism takes over, the first people to get rid of is those who are learned, who may oppose them, and so they get rid of them because it's easy to control the uneducated and the uninformed. 
That's why we're being lied to so much because they want us uneducated, and that's why they've, they've destroyed our education system uh, because, you know, if you're uneducated and uninformed, you're easy to control. So this is what they took, the cream of the crop, and, you know, the, again, these young men were learned. They understood science. They were cunning and knowledge. That means they were skilled and skillful in all wisdom, and probably, you know, they're going to teach them the tongue of the Chaldeans, and probably, if you remember when uh, Sennacherib came to besiege Jerusalem, and Rabshakeh came to the walls of Jerusalem and shouted to those on the walls, you know, telling them that you need to come out to us and we'll, we'll put you on horses and we'll take you away to the land like under your own where, you know, he made all these promises. And, and the men that were on the wall said, speak to us in the Syrian tongue, for we understand it. Don't speak to us in the Hebrew. So, you know, unlike most of us Americans that only speak English, most people, at least the skillful people in the world, speak more than one language. The Jews, most of those Jews, the learned would have already spoken probably Syriac and maybe some other languages. And so they're going to teach them uh, the tongue of the Chaldeans as well. And, uh, and so among these were Dan- Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael. So these were the best. Um, they're going to be taught the language, a new language. They're going to be taught the ways of the Chaldeans. They were given new names to try and make them forget about their ancestry. Uh, this is all part of the indoctrination process. But Daniel purposed his heart. He would not defy himself. You know, we are not to be indoctrinated with the philosophies of the world. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In Jeremiah 10, verse 2, the Bible says there, Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen. You know, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. So we're not to be indoctrinated, and this was an effort, of course, to indoctrinate these young men who were princes, they were of the elite, the learned, the wise of the day, and they were going to try and indoctrinate them into the ways and the customs and manners of living of the Chaldeans. However, the Bible says here that Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defy himself. So, so he purposed. We've got four things, thinkers, four, five things, I guess there is. Um, first of all, he purposed in his heart. He purposed, he had a purposed heart. And his heartfelt purpose was, it didn't matter where he was or what they did to him or what they tried to put into his head and convince him of, Contrary to God's word, he was not going to defile himself. He was not going to leave, by the grace of God, the commands of God. You know, this mindset is crucial to a victorious Christian life. What's Philippians tell us? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought not robbery of equal God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, 
being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We need to be obedient and submissive to what the Lord has for us. The Lord was willing to submit to the Father's will, even if it caused him to suffer and die. Even if it caused him to leave the glories of heaven, to lay aside his own glory. You know, here's Daniel. He's of the ruling class from Judah. And now he's made a servant. Now, if you're put down like that, do you blame God? Do you take it out on God? Obviously, Daniel didn't. Because though he's been put down and made a servant, he's made a eunuch, guys, too. He'll never have a family. He has been really humiliated. It would have been very easy for him to get angry with God. God, I didn't sin. I'm not, I'm not the cause of all this. You know, he was a godly. In fact, the Bible, three, there's at least three times in the book of Daniel, he's called beloved by God. So he wasn't, he wasn't really a participant with all the wickedness that went on in Israel. You know, he's just a, a, a young man, maybe a teenager. But, he, but even though he's carried away and he's, he's made these things that are done to him that he cannot help, he doesn't get angry with God. Instead, he sets it in his mind that no matter where he goes and no matter what happens to him, what God allows in his life, he's going to please God. He's determined. That's what it really means to be purpose. And we have to determine that no matter what happens, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful to God. You know, if we continue to lose our liberties, are we going to be faithful to God? If we're going to be persecuted or coerced to compromise the beliefs and practices of the, the Word of God, are we going to be faithful to the Word of God? And we, you know, we could go on and on. Uh, you know, David told Solomon in Proverbs 3.1, My son, forget not my law. Let thine heart keep my commandments. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Chapter 4, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence. You need to be diligent to keep your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Daniel understood that he had to have a heart that was right with God if his conduct was going to be right with God. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord always before me, so I'm always looking to God. He's in front of me. You know what? If he's in front of you, he's leading you. If he's before you, he's leading you. So I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. In other words, I won't change. I won't compromise. I won't follow the ways of the world. If I always keep the Lord before me at my right hand. You know, Joshua said to the children of Israel in, in Joshua 24, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. 
So you need, he's telling the children of Israel, look, you need to choose, you need to set, you need to purpose. You need to set. You see, Daniel was more concerned with his relationship with God than his relationship with his captors. You realize how many times you read through the book of Daniel, he put his life at risk by, by um, submissively disobeying or not following their orders. Or, you know, in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. Or no, it's the beginning of chapter 4. He has this dream. You know, this big tree and there's birds and beasts, un- beasts under it and birds in it, sheltering it. And there's a watcher comes down from heaven and says, cut the tree down and, and let seven times pass over it. And he's, he's just troubled to to death about this dream. He doesn't know what it means. And he asked Daniel, and Daniel, the Bible says Daniel was astonished for an hour. He really didn't want to tell him. I don't think he was afraid to tell him. Because in his interpretation, he begs Nebuchadnezzar to change his ways. But he's the one that had to tell him, my God is going to cut you down. Could you imagine telling the most mightiest monarch on earth, my God is going to cut you down. But he did it in such a way that the king received the message, although he didn't obey it. He didn't follow his, his beseeching that he gave him. But see, no matter what situation he's put into, he, he responds in a way that is right, because he has his heart set on. No matter what the circumstance is, I am determined that I am going to please God. That's crucial. The second thing we see here, he practiced patience. He was patient. Look at chapter 2. And this is really all the fruit of his purposing in his heart. Chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, it says, you know, he's, there's this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, and all the wise men are called except Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, and they can't interpret the dream. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, Daniel tells the guy that's come to kill him, you know, hey, interpretation is belong to God. Give me some time. And this is what it said. Verse 14, chapter 2. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which has gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon, he answered and said to the Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Now, this is the way Nebuchadnezzar did things. If you did that which displeased him, he executed judgment immediately. He was the king of kings. Whom he would, he set up, and whom he would, he got down. He was no respecter of persons. And so, immediately, he calls for executioners because they didn't give him the answer he wanted, so he, he calls for executioners and said, just execute every one of them. And, and Daniel says, why are you so hasty? From the king. Then Arioch made the thing known. He, he, they didn't know what was going on. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king, so he goes in and asks that he would give him time that he would show the king the interpretation. So, you see here, Daniel expresses the need for patience 
and he practiced that. He said he asked for time. He asked for time. Um, you know, we need to, when we're dealing with situations, we need to consider and give time to consider what is before us. Don't be hasty. Because um, <clears throat> sometimes we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. You know, God works all things after the counsel of his, all, of his own will, and so often we want it, and we want it now. And However, God is not obligated to our wants, what we want. God does things on his timetable. Now, God does care about our needs. God cares about your needs. But he's not obligated to your wants. I mean, sometimes he gives us our wants. But sometimes those wants aren't good for us. But he will supply those needs in his time, not yours. And God knows, and, and again, we have to, this is, this is where we have to give liberty to the fact that God is God. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. Therefore, we need to let God decide the best time, even though we may not understand. You know, God promised Abraham an heir, and that came 25 years after the first promise. 25 years. He promised Moses he would lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. But it took some time and some plagues and some hardships and a couple times Moses wanted to quit. And, you know, it took all, all that for the children of Israel to get the children of Israel willing to leave. But also the children of the Egyptians willing to send them out. You know, he promised them the land of Canaan. But it took him 40 years to take, take what God had promised him. And again, why did that take so long? It was because of their unbelief. You know, sometimes it takes a while for God to give us what we need because we really don't have the confidence in him we should. In Daniel chapter 6, of course, we have... Darius the king signing the, the very foolish decree, uh, sort of like a Hazarus, you know, and, and Esther. He did some foolish things without really considering what he was signing. And so he signs this decree, and Daniel, with purpose, waited on God for his deliverance. But in the meantime, Daniel kept on doing what he always did. That pleased God. That's he prayed three times a day, as he did four times. He wasn't going to change his life. He wasn't going to quit talking to his Lord. He wasn't going to quit communicating with his, with his Lord and having fellowship with his Lord just because some man made a silly decree. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher, that wasn't a silly decree. That was life and death. Yeah, it was. But it wasn't wise. It wasn't a wise decree. But it had serious consequences. But Daniel waited on God to intervene. Or 
not intervene. You know, Job suffered tremendous hardships. And James 5 tells us, You have heard the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. The Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Job endured. He suffered those. He endured those hardships. You know, he, 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 he questioned God, but he never blamed God. He never came out and said, you know, like his wife said, curse God and die. He didn't blame God. No, he, he, he was patient, waiting for an answer from God. You know, God promised a Redeemer. Clear back in Genesis 3.15. Seed of the woman. And about 4,000 years later, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them under the law that we might receive the adoptions of the son, Galatians 4.4. 4. You see, we need to be patient with the Lord for direction, for instruction, for any circumstance we find ourselves into. Find ourselves in. You know, Proverbs 28 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Proverbs 25 8, Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know what to do, know not what to do in the end thereof. Don't be hasty to strive when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Proverbs 14.29 says, He that is slow to wrath is a great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Proverbs 21.5, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of every one that is hasty, only to one. You know, some people seek after these quick get-rich schemes. And usually what happens is they get a lot of money taken and nothing in return. Usually, probably 99.9% of the time, you know. Uh, you know, if you, if, I mean, Google someday how many people, what has happened to people that have won the lottery? I mean, yeah, I did that one time, and I thought, I don't think I ever want to win the lottery. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it, it is like, so money come through vanity is, is wasted. You know, oh, you know, of course, me, you know, I think to myself, well, I would never do that if I won it. Well, I don't know. It looked like a church that I knew had a lot of money that I used to pastor at one time. had a lot of money, and they lost it all, and spent it all, and lost it all. And one lady said to me one day, she said, you know, pastor... You're the first pastor we've ever paid. She was in the church 40-some years. You're the first pastor we've ever paid out of the tithes and offerings of people. They had investments. And she said, that money was a curse to us. I said, I agree. Proverbs 29, 20 says, Seest thou man is hasty in his words, there's more hope in a fool than him. So, so Daniel practiced patience. 
uh, he practiced a course prayer. He sought the Lord. Chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And again, this, this shows a, an attitude of humility, even though, you know, he's a, understand, he's, he's of the princely line. He's of the king's seed. He's a, he's a educated man. He's got wisdom and understands science and, 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 you know, he's in a government position. And so why does he need to pray? He's got all this knowledge. But chapter 2, verse 17 says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah. So he not only prayed, but he also went and told his friends that, that he knew would pray and, and could get a hold of God. So he, he made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. They would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of the Bible. Because he was one of those wise men that should know. But Daniel said, look, we need to seek God. For this answer. When the decree was signed that no one was to pray for 30 days, what does Daniel do? He goes and prays to his God. Now, I am certain, this is Byler's opinion, that Daniel prayed about that decree had been signed. That Daniel is talking to God about him headed to the lion's den. And he's asking God what he should do and asking God to intervene. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. But just knowing the other examples that Daniel goes to God makes me believe that in this situation, he didn't do anything different. He went to God about about that also. So, you know, this was, this was a common practice for Daniel, not just in case of emergency. Um, you know, again, Daniel 6.10. Look at a few examples here. Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Uh, chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. And Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. And so, so he has this vision and... And then what he does, uh, he prays about this. That chapter 8, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. Saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in a vision, and I was by the river Uli. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other. <laughs> Excuse me. And, and this goes on. Uh, and and he, he gets this vision. And then in, cha- in verse 15 it says, And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning. Then, behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli. 
which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. And, and, uh, and so he was seeking God to understand this vision. So he's praying to the Lord. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, again, he's praying about the captivity. How, about, you know, he learned from reading the book of Jeremiah that God said 70 years, time's nearing. So he starts praying about it and confessing the sins of his people. And so on. Again, this is, this is Daniel's practice. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 55, 17, Evening and morning at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. You know, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Uh, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Because the only thing the Bible tells us to do without ceasing in a way of service is pray. It doesn't tell us to preach without ceasing. Now, it does tell us to do it in season and out of season, but it doesn't do it, say to do it without ceasing. It doesn't say to sing without ceasing. You, know, you ought to always have a song in your heart, but it does say pray without ceasing. You ought to be in communion with God constantly. And this was Daniel's life. It demonstrates his humility. And he also involved, again, he, you know, if we go a step further there, demonstrating his humility, he involved the help of others. And Paul did this. Ephesians 6.19, Paul said, he tells us in verse 18, that they were to be in supplication. And verse 19 says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to declare unto you the gospel. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3.1, he told the church of Thessalonica, Brethren, pray for us. James tells us in James 5.16, Confess your faults one to another and pray one to another that you may be healed. Effectual fervent, of prayer, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, so we need to be people of prayer. Daniel was a man of prayer. Again, this wasn't just, well, I've got a problem. I've got to run to God. No. I remember listening to an old preacher on cassette tape. That kind of dates it a little bit. And he was telling about Preacher Sims. I think it was in Florida, this guy by the name of Preacher Sims. And they had a tornado that came through the area. And Preacher Sims was visiting one of his older ladies, and she said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that God would not take my house but in the tornado, but it got taken anyway. And he said, well, maybe God was too busy taking care of his regular customers. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, no, we need to be regular with prayer to God. And then finally, Daniel exercised a priority of praise to the Lord. Look at chapter 2, verses 19 to 23. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel, what's the first thing he does? Blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changed the times and seasons. 
He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. So he praises God the Lord, for the answer to the vision, he, he thanks God for giving him wisdom and might. He's in, you know, understand, he's in a position of power. He's in government. He, he's been exalted, and you know, he sits in the gate with the king, and you know, uh, after that, uh, uh, Daniel chapter 1, you know, he's, he's, he, when Nebuchadnezzar communed with him, he exalted all, all four of them. So he's in a position of power, and he says, Thank thee, Lord, that you've given me this might. And so he demonstrates, through this, he demonstrates clearly who is the priority of his life, or what is. It's not the king, it's not his job. It's not his own life. It's the Lord. Because, you know, he put his own life on line over and over and over again. When he asked for a different menu, a different diet, and a different drink, put his own life on the line. When he refused to pray, he put his own life on the line. Or, I'm sorry, refused to not pray. He put his own life on the line. Now, he wasn't haughty. He did it with a submissive spirit. He requested, he asked, could this be done? Now, he didn't ask about the praying. He just continued doing what he always did, which everybody knew what he always did. That's why the decree was made to try and destroy Daniel. You know, some people will know what you will... Some, there's a lot of people that expect what you're going to do. And they may purposely set you up to see what you'll do. And just because they set you up doesn't mean they're going to do you harm. It may be a means of testing. But through it all, throughout his life, look at chapter 4. So he's standing before Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar just had that dream I referred to a little while ago. And he's wanting an answer concerning this dream. Now remember the last time he couldn't get an answer, what did he, what did he do? <laughs> the last time he couldn't get an answer from the wise men, he says, off with all your heads. So Daniel, on, Daniel knows all that. But Daniel also knows this. God sets up kings and brings down kings. My God is greater than this king. Daniel believes that because he's purposed in his heart that he's not going to defile himself. He's not going to compromise his testimony because his God is faithful. Even if he dies, he'll go to be with him. He understands that. So, 
And here we are in chapter 4, in verse 19, it says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, that was the name given him, was astonished for one hour. His thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream nor the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, and this is why I don't think he was scared of Nebuchadnezzar. He just didn't want to tell him the bad news. I really think that Daniel loved him as God loved him and did not want to see his demise. But he knew. He knew what was in store for Nebuchadnezzar if he didn't repent. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, so Daniel says in the middle of verse 19 toward the end, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. I, I wish this to your enemies and those that hate you, not you. And so he gives them the interpretation and basically tells them, you know, you're this tree whose leaves are fair, verse 21, there's much fruit and meat under it and beasts dwell under it. It speaks of all the people under whom are his dominion, that are under his dominion. And he says, that tree is you, king. Verse 22, Thou art grown, become strong, and thy greatness is grown, reaches unto heaven, thy dominion to the end of the earth. Whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it. Let leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven. Let its portion be with the beasts of the field until seven times pass over him. And this is the interpretation, O king. This is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. They shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee eat grass as oxen. They shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, till seven times pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. See, Daniel, I believe Daniel's demeanor and his spirit was such, and his love for his king was evident to the place that Nebuchadnezzar didn't laugh at him. <laughs> really? You really think this is going to happen? I'm the king here. And of course, you know, we know that this, that this happened. In fact, history books refer to a king, I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar, they believe it was Nebuchadnezzar, that went insane. Crawled around on the ground, his fingernails and his toenails grew like eagle's claws, he ate grass like an ox. He was insane. They even have a name for what, what it was for seven years. During the reign, during Babylon's reign, and then his throne was, can you imagine? Do you think it's normal for a king during that, you know, in any country that, that is volatile like this, that, you know, a man of such power would be driven from his throne for seven years and then it be given back to him? There would not be a rival? That would, I mean, let's just kill that old, old insane buzzard. I mean, that's what they'd have normally done. But for some reason, they didn't. Because it was a decree of God. Just like 
we heard in, in uh, Ezra that all the vessels they took from, back, from Judah and the temple 70 years prior, they took them all back. Why didn't they use them? Why didn't they melt them down? I mean, silver and gold and brass. Why didn't you melt that stuff down and use it for something else? Because God said, when it left, it shall return. See, you can, you can assure yourself of one thing. What God says is going to come to pass. So we need to have our confidence in him. Not in the things of this world. And this is what Daniel did. And again, chapter 5, verse 17, he's offered you know, gifts from Belshazzar, who's having this drunken orgy, and drinking out of the vessels from the temple, defiling them. And Daniel says in verse 17, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself. Give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king. And he reads it. And of course, he puts on this, you know, robe on him and chain about his neck. And the only thing is, that very night, he was killed. Chapter 6, verse 21 and 22. Again, then Daniel said, Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel, has shut the lion's mouth. They have not hurt me for as much as before him. Innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. You know, if you do right in the sight of God, you will not wrong other people. Even though Daniel disobeyed a decree by a king, he did not hurt the king. He did not hurt the king. Nor did he seek vengeance on those who set him up. He didn't do that. There was vengeance. Remember, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That's, that's the Lord's prerogative. That's not ours. There was vengeance. The king carried it out. But Daniel didn't. He never requested it. He never hinted at it. And so, you know, we need to give praise to the Lord. For he's the one that raises us up. He gives us power and might. He gives us wisdom and honor. John 17, 2, the Lord said, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. First Chronicles 29, 12, Both riches and honor come of thee. Thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might. In thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. And so we ought to praise the Lord continually. Psalmist said in Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know that was written when David was running from Saul. Of course, Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise unto God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we need to be like Daniel. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the trial or the test, 
Daniel remained faithful to his God. May we be faithful. It's required of the stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge from this testimony of Daniel. And I pray, Father, that these principles would encourage us and challenge us uh, to walk with you and fellowship with you to keep your commandments, obey your precepts, to honor you with our lives. Day in and day out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.